Thank you, Miss Lily, for that. Children, you are dismissed for Children's Church. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And uh, what a great... Uh, uh, what a great song uh, that is, and a great rendition there, uh, Lily. Thank you for that. Take your Bibles uh, this morning and turn to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua uh, this morning. I'd like to put it on record that James tried to kill me with his walker. Um, you didn't see that. I wasn't paying attention, and boom, I'm glad I didn't go down. And uh, <clears throat> Just kidding. Joshua chapter 24 uh, this morning, Joshua chapter number 24, uh, I want to begin reading in verse number 14, Joshua chapter 24, in verse number 14, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up, uh, brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 18, The Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. For He is our God. I want to preach you a, really a, a simple message this morning on this subject, uh, being a child of God. Being a child of God. It's interesting in the world we live in today that, uh, that there is a lot said about being a child of God. There's a lot said about uh, the assumption of being a child of God. Uh, many people believe today you would be shocked at some of the statements that I'm going to make, but uh, they are true. There's a lot of people that believe that uh, we are children of God because we live in the United States of America. To take it a step further, there are people that believe that they are children of God because they, believe, they, believe, they live in the south of the United States of America. Certainly people that live outside the south are the heathen of the land and uh, could not possibly be children of God. 
We kind of joke about that, but there are people that actually believe it. There are people that believe that we are children of God because we were created in the image of God. And because we are created in the image of God, we are therefore all children of God. You take back, um, you go back uh, uh, in your uh, descendants and you go back to uh, Adam, you go back to Noah, and we all came from the same place. Therefore, we are all children of God. There is a belief that has been um, around for a long time. Listen to me. When something comes out, understand this truth. There is nothing new under the sun. Somebody came up with it before. It just kind of faded away, and now uh, it's come up with it again. And something that's been around for a very long time that has kind of uh, uh, gotten more popular uh, in our world today, and that is... uh, Uh, the belief of universalism. The belief of universalism. Universalism says that we are all Christians. That we are all ultimately one day going to go to heaven. Now, there are different forms of it. There are some that do believe in hell, but they believe in hell according to your sins. And so if you are just a little sinner, then you go to hell for a little while and then you go to heaven. If you're a big sinner, then you go to hell for a longer time and then you go to heaven. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of people out there that, 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 that want to believe or want to say this. I want you to understand something. My God, this is what they say, my God would never send anybody to hell. Therefore, everybody's going to heaven. There's a problem with all the things that I just said. There's a major problem with it, and the major problem with it is the truth, is the scriptures. The Bible says that narrow is the way that leadeth to everlasting life. The Bible says broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Not everybody is going to be saved. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but it's the truth of the Word of God. I wish that I can get up here and preach that hell doesn't exist. I wish I could get up here and say that everybody is going to heaven. But that just wouldn't be the truth of the Word of God. What does it mean to be a child of God? What does it mean when we use the word saved? Isn't it interesting, the definition of words? What people mean today don't necessarily what it, what it meant yesterday. Do you know the word, and I'll, take the, I'll, I'll use this word, and I don't mean it to be offensive, I'm just telling you the, how the word has changed, is the word queer. And we think to ourselves, <gasps> do you know that was a very common word to say that something was different? Strange? Weird? By the way, don't use the word now. 
It means something completely different, doesn't it? And because things have changed, and times have changed, and so meanings have changed. And it used to be, you used to be able to say, uh, are you saved? And a person would answer you yes or no, because they understood what the word saved meant. Today, not so much. You ask somebody if they're saved, you better define what the word saved means. I remember when I was in college, we had a, a, a place when we, we, we'd, we'd pick up our kids on, on the buses and we'd bring them in and, and then we'd have Sunday school and then we'd have a place called the Dealing Center. It was a great big room and the, we had a, a bunch of college students, they would, they would take turns being in the Dealing Center and then during Sunday school, if any of the kids... Uh, uh, wanted to be saved, they could raise their hand and they could go down to the dealing center because those classes were so big, the teachers couldn't actually do one-on-one with them, so they'd send them down to the dealing center. And we'd have the dealing center and I'd sit there and my very first question, when they came in and they'd sat down and I'd say, why are you here? You'd be, you'd be shocked at how many answers I got. Uh, why, why, why did you come down here? Because I have to go to the bathroom. Go down here, take a right, and the bathroom is down on the left, you know. Uh, why are you here? I, I'm here because I raised my hand and I want to be saved. Say, praise the Lord, what does it mean to be saved? You know, you should ask that question. When, when, somebody, when somebody asks or when somebody says that they want to be saved, well, what, what do you perceive? What do you think the word saved means? And I could write a book on, on, on some of the definitions I got on what being saved was. Everything from, you know, falling out of a boat and my uncle reached over and grabbed me and pulled me up out of the boat and saved me. You know, did, did, was he saved? Yes, he was saved from the water, right? So what does it mean when we say, when we use the word saved? Now, listen, there's a lot less confusion when you use what John 3 talks about when he says, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus had a question about that, didn't he? He said, wait, wait, wait a minute. A minute. Uh, how do you go back into your mother's womb? How do you physically be born again? I've already been born one time. How do I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? Be sure, make sure when you are witnessing, make sure when you're talking to somebody that you define the words that you know that you think everybody else knows. Do you know what we have in church? You know what we have in church circles? We have a lingo. We do. We have a way that we talk. And we come into church and, and we talk, we talk about spiritual things and we talk about holy things and we talk about uh, uh, church things and we, and we have this, like, this, this, this lingo and it's not too hard to pick up. It's kind of like culturally when you talk about two different, uh, two different places, even in the United States. People in the South talk different than people in the North. They just do. I've told you the story. It's one of my favorite stories. I was eating with my in-laws and my wife. And we were at a restaurant. I don't remember, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in the south. And I hadn't been down south very long. And 
And she came up to, waitress came up to the, you know, I'm talking about a restaurant where, the, you know, the waitress calls you honey and pumpkin pie and sweetie and all this other stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, lady, I don't even know you, you know. And so I, I understand much about the South. And, and uh, she came up and I said, Can, could, you, could you tell me what the specials are? And she said, sure. And she went down a few things. And then she said, and then she said, a half her chicken. Let me tell you something. <laughs> they, my, just like you, my in-laws are on the floor. I mean, they were dying laughing. And I uh, walked away, and my eyes were like cross-eyed, and I'm going to myself. As soon as she left, I said, how can you have a cow and a chicken? Is this a special thing that they only serve in the, in the South? A heifer and a chicken are two different animals. And they're laughing, and, she, and they said, they said, they said, she said a half of a chicken. I said, no, she did not. She said a half her chicken. So she goes and, and she comes back and we order and, and, and she gets to talking to mom and dad. And, and then she gets to talking to me and say, yeah, you know, she noticed I wasn't from around these parts. And she said, where are you from? I said, I'm, and I always tell people, I always tell people that I, Nobody knows where, you know, the, the little towns that I'm from. And so I always, I always reference Albany. So we're two hours, 45 minutes northeast of Albany. And she about had her a fit. She said, Albany? She says, I got family all over Albany. And I'm like, mm, no. First of all, we don't pronounce it Albany. Of course, I didn't know there was an Albany, Georgia. And uh, she's, she, so... Let me tell you something. There's two different ways we talk, right? And sometimes we take our lingo, our church lingo, and take it into the world. Sometimes we take it and we take it to work. Sometimes we take it and take it to school. Sometimes we take it and take it into the community. And people just don't always understand what we mean by what we say. So what does it mean to be a child of God? So uh, let me give you two things this morning when it comes to being a, a child of God. As children of God, we must first be saved by God. We must be saved by God. Listen to, listen to what he says at the end of verse, uh, verse 18. For he is our God. He is our God. Can I tell you this morning that if you're saved and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's not because your parents are saved or your spouse is saved or your children are saved or that your father and grandfather and great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather and all the way back were all preachers. None of those things mean that you're saved. Maybe you're a member of this church. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you study your Bible a lot. Maybe you've given the offering. Maybe you're a good person and you try the best that you can. None of those things mean that you're saved. Can I tell you, there's going to be a surprise one day when we get to heaven. I, I mean, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a double surprise. The first surprise is going to be like, you made it here? Because <laughs> we have this thing in our mind that it's a, the kind of person that you are. 
What kind of person are you? Do you realize that there are people like the thief on the cross that never had an opportunity to be a good person? Never had the opportunity to be a man of faith? Because he got saved on the cross and Jesus told him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And that day, he was, he was with God, right? And so, so he never had an opportunity. It's not a matter of the kind of person you are. You tell you the other surprise we're going to have? We're going to look around and wonder where so-and-so is. I wonder where so-and-so is. I wish I could say that at the rapture of the church, every church will be empty. But that won't be true. It just won't be true. Being a church member, being a faithful person, doesn't get you to heaven. Placing your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ is what it means to be a child of God. It's the first step. Without that step, all the other steps don't matter. Do you understand that? Can I, can I, can I say this? Baptism, church membership, good works, all those things are important. But outside of faith in Jesus Christ, none of those things matter. Not when it comes to going to heaven. Not when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus Christ. First things first, you have to take the first step. If you're going to run a marathon, which I can't imagine why anybody would want to run a marathon. But anyways, if you, matter of fact, funny story. So me and Kyle went to eat, and it was his birthday, and so we, we went and got something to eat, and, and um, we were surprised. We were at a Chinese restaurant, and so uh, uh, we was in there, and she says, she says to me, oh, she says, I know, matter of fact, we're, you and I went, Scott, to the super buffet, and um, I ate there again. I can eat there every day. But we, are, we go by, and she sits us, and she says, oh, I know who you are. I said, uh, I thought, because I was just in there the other day, I thought, recognized me from before. She said, you're that famous runner. (laughs) Sweetie. (laughs) And I told her, I said, the only time I ever run if it's like a bear is chasing me. It's the only time I ever run. And I looked it up, and I looked up runners. There's not too many runners that even remotely look like me. And so we looked it up, and there's this guy that um, looks kind of, kind of, I guess, kind of like me at a distance, and and uh, he he ran a triple Ironman. Triple. That's three Ironmans in a row. Thinking to myself, lady, does it look like that I can even run one part of a marathon or one part of a try? Listen, if you're gonna, but if you're gonna run one, right? What do you gotta do? You, you gotta. Well, you gotta take your first step. I mean, I don't care how long it is, how many miles it is. If you're going to finish, you have to start at the starting point. You don't get to go. Listen, if you could run a marathon by starting at the last 100 yards, I'm in. Uh, or 100 feet, maybe. 100 yards is too far. 100 feet. I'm in, right? I, I'm good with that. But you can't start there. You can't start there and then say, I finished. No, you got to start at the starting, starting line. you got to take that first step. What is that first step in Christianity? That first step in Christianity is accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. 
And when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He forgives you of your sins and you now are a child of God. We must be saved by God for He is our God. We are saved. Understand this. Let's be clear. We are saved, number one, by the grace of God. You can't save yourself. You can't do it. The person next to you can't save you. This preacher can't save you. Listen to me. Peter can't save you. There's only one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the only way. It's by the grace of God. So it's not by works. It's by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We understand that it's not by works, but it's by the grace of God. Of God. We are saved by the grace of God through the gift of God. Do you understand salvation is a gift? It's a gift that's given. It, doesn't it sound, sound kind of foolish that somebody would give you a gift and then you would pay for it? Isn't that kind of foolish? If I gave you something and said, listen to me, I want to give you this gift... Here's the receipt. This is what you owe me. If you did that, listen, if you did that to me, I'd be, I'd be glad to pay you for it. If it's something I wanted, I'd be glad to pay you for it. But don't go around telling people that you gave me a gift. It's not a gift if I pay for it. Listen, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ has given us a gift. It's foolish to think that you even have the possibility or you have the ability to pay for that gift. It's a gift. It's a gift of grace. One of my favorite times of year, and for several reasons, is Christmas time. I love Christmas. I love Christmas, one, because of the weather. It's generally cooler during Christmas. Now, you're not always promised that in Georgia, but you know, it's usually cooler than it is in July at Christmas time. And so I, I love the weather, but I love the time of season. I love the time that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love the, the, the time of giving. You know, at Christmas time, I don't even care if I get. I love to give. I love to be the giver. So every year, for years and years and years, we'd go out and we'd buy our kids gifts. And then, then I would get my gift. Because my gift was always the wow gift. I always wanted my kids to go, wow, Dad, that's awesome. Which is great until they have everything possible and then you you know there's nothing you can give them you, you give them a car and they're like oh wow thanks dad you know and so so there is a negative to that but anyways you, you give and give you love to and if you're a giver you love christmas time it's time to give let me tell you what jesus is he's a giver he's a giver he has given himself he has given his life upon the cross 
He's given so that you might have life. He's given so that you might have reconciliation with God. It's the gift of God. It's by grace. It's through the gift of God. And then it is for the glory of God. Listen, over in the New Testament, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses, uh, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, we have a tendency to be braggadocious, right? Have you ever said this? Have you ever said this to someone? I'd give him a compliment, but I don't want his head to get too big. Because we have a tendency to be, we have a tendency to be braggadocious about what we've done. Can you imagine if we were, if we had the ability to save ourselves? Let me tell you how I got here. I'm just telling you, I did this, and I did this, and I accomplished this, and boy, I did. I mean, I all these people are saved because I did this, and and all. And man, we'd have, we'd have our man. Mantles full of awards, and we'd have—I mean, we'd have stuff hanging up on the uh, 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 on the wall about how how good of a person we are. Let me tell you something: there's nobody in heaven that's there because of their good works. There's nobody in heaven that's there because they tried really hard. Every person there is there because of the grace of God. You know, even our awards, right? Here's a, here's a, um, it's really, this really gets people. But it's a fact. We're not all going to be awarded the same way. We're not going to all be rewarded the same way. See, not everybody's going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not everybody's going to get the same crowns. Matter of fact, if you didn't know this, there's a crown that's just for the pastor. You're not a pastor, you're not getting that crown. Well, it's not fair. I don't know where we got fair from. I don't understand that. But here's the, here's, the, here's the bottom line. We're not getting that crown so that we can prance around heaven. Saying, hey, I mean, let me tell you what. I was a pastor and you weren't. La-la-la-la-la. We're not, we're not going to have stuff hanging on our wall. We're not going to have stuff hanging on our mail. You know why we get those awards? So that we can lay them at the feet of Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. Now, you may get no rewards. It, may, it, it could happen. It could be a possibility that you get no rewards. But if you're saved, you're still going to heaven. But the rewards aren't for us to wear around with us. Remember in the military... When, when you went through a conflict or you, or you got an award, you'd wear a pin. Some of these jokers have been in for a long time. And man, they've got a chest full of pins and awards. Listen to me. We're not going to be going around heaven with all these rewards. You know what these rewards are for? These rewards are to give back. Thank you, Lord. It's by your grace that I'm here. Can I tell you, we're going to remember that there, but can I tell you, we should remember that here? 
We should remember why we are where we are in this world today. We should remember why we're not in prison or in a ditch somewhere. We should remember why we're not just terrible, horrible people. Because can I tell you, you have the ability to be that person. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. But Bible says we're all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous, no, not one. I, you know what Paul said? I am I am, but by simply what? The grace of God. That's it. It's simply by the grace of God. And because of God's grace, we are uh, saved. It's simply by God's grace uh, that we know Him as uh, our personal Savior. So, as a child of God, we must uh, be saved by God. But then as children of God, we must be servants for God. We must be servants for God. Watch what he says back in Joshua chapter 24, verse number 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. I mean, this is, you talk about a famous saying. This is Joshua's famous saying, right? But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you... If you, if, you, if, you, if you find it, you know, that you want to serve the Amorite gods, then serve the Amorite gods. If you find it, you want to serve the gods that were before the flood that, that our people served, then, then go serve them. <clears throat> but I'm going to tell you what's right. Let me tell you what it is to be a child of God. It is to serve the Lord your God. Be a servant for Him. As for me and my house... I can't make decisions for you. I can't, I can't do that. I can make suggestions. I can, give you, I can give you some scripture of what you should do. But you have to make the decision for your house. You have to make a decision for your life. You've got to decide. You can't let, listen, so often today, we let circumstances dictate whether we serve the Lord. We let circumstances, we let people do you know how many people are sitting out of church today because of other people? Now, listen to me. First of all, shame on those other people. God forbid that we ever be the person that makes somebody else not be in church. But number two, shame on the person that's not in church. Why in the world are you allowing other people to dictate whether you go to church or serve the Lord or not? Don't ever allow somebody else to, to make a decision for you. You, you alone stand before God. I'm not going to stand before, listen, I'm not going to stand before God for you. Now I'm going to have to stand before God for this congregation as a pastor, but I'm not going to have to stand before God for you as an individual. You have to stand before God for you as an individual. And whether you serve the Lord... Can, can I tell you, can you imagine, can you imagine being in heaven and standing before God? By the way, we're going to be kneeling before God. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But as we kneel before God and answer to God and God says, why you didn't serve me? And we start saying, well, you know. I didn't tell you. I was in church one time and I, tri I tripped over this guy's, you know, thing and stubbed my toe and I got really mad. And now I'm not in church anymore. Can you imagine, can you imagine saying that to God? 
Can you imagine the excuse? The excuses that we have will not hold water when it comes to God. Matter of fact, I don't even think they'll come out of our mouths because they're so foolish. The things that we say, the excuses that we come up with are so foolish that they'll never stand up before God. We need to, we need to make, a, make a decision. Listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do what's right. Hey, if everybody else stops reading God's Word, I'm going to read it. If everybody else stops praying, I'm going to pray. You see, we've had it easy in the United States of America. We have had it easy. Christians have been on easy street. Oh, poor us. We got the door slammed in our face or somebody said something ugly to us. Listen to me. There are places where Christians are being murdered just for being a Christian. I'm telling you, it's coming to a country near you. Persecution's coming. It is. And I'm telling you, are we going to stand up in the midst of persecution? Are we going to serve the Lord when it's hard? I dare say, we ain't serving the Lord when it's easy. Let alone when it's hard. We need to stand up for God. We need to stand up for what's right and make the decision. No matter what anybody else does, we will serve the Lord. Look at verse 18. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land. Wherefore will we also serve the Lord? We're going to do it. We're going to do what's right. We're going to do what's right. Listen to me. We're going to do what's right because it's right to do it. Ever think about that? Why do we do what we do? Why do we serve the Lord? We serve the Lord because it's the right thing to do. And it's because we say we love God. If you love God, then keep His commandments. Stop making all the excuses. Think about this. If you want to serve the Lord, we'll talk about more of them tonight. But if you want to, if you want to start serving the Lord, then quit straddling the fence. Quit straddling the fence. And we're so worried about this world. We're so worried about having a foot in this world. But the Bible says in uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 24, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't do it. You're either going to love the one and hate the other or, or hate the one and love the other. It's going to happen. You can't serve God and mammon. Stop straddling the fence. You can't be on both sides. You ever heard the story about the man in the Civil War? You ever read about the Civil War? North against the South, right? This guy decided, matter of fact, he lived in the South, and he decided he wasn't for or against either side. He was neutral and he was in the middle. So what he decided to do was he decided to wear the colors of both the North and the South. Sounds great, right? Except for he received fire from both the North and the South. Amazing story. I mean, he ended up, ended up 
<laughs> he ended up being killed from somebody in the South. But he was wearing North colors and South colors because he didn't want to pick a side. He didn't want to choose. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And to choose the Lord is to mean to, is mean, uh, is to say no to the world. To say yes to God, you have to say no to the world. To say yes to church, you got to say no to the extra sleep. To say yes to the Bible, you got to say no to the TV. Right? There's some things you got to say no to if you're going to say yes to God. Because you can't have both. And you can't do both. Listen, there are people today that are in an absolute mess because they're straddling the fence. Because they're trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. They're trying to have one foot in spiritual things and one foot in worldly things. There's a war. Do you know what Paul said? There's a war that's going on. Uh, the flesh against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary to one another. I, I, I know nothing about automotive stuff. But I know this, if you take oil and you dump it in water, you can shake it until your face turns blue and your arms fall off. When you stop shaking it, they're going to separate. Because oil and water don't mix. They don't mix. Let me tell you something. Spiritual things and fleshly things, they don't mix. There are fruits of the flesh and there are fruits of the Spirit. You've got to pick. You've got to decide where you're going to live. You've got to choose how you're going to live. If you're going to live for the Lord, say no to the world. If you're going to live for the Lord, say no to the flesh. You ever seen that cartoon or the caricature, caricature where there's a little angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the other shoulder? I hate, I hate, those, I hate those things, but there's a little truth to them in there. Because let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit's trying to guide you into truth. The Holy Spirit's trying to guide you down the right way, down the right path. It's kind of like a GPS. You got a GPS? Listen, if they did away with GPSs, I would just never leave town. Because I would never know how to get anywhere. The GPS tells you how to get there, and sometimes you question it. But if you follow it, it always gets you there. My wife, she... She's convinced she knows more than a GPS. Every time we go somewhere, we put it in the GPS. She said, don't turn there. That's just stupid. Just keep going straight. Like, um, this is the computer. Computer knows how to go. 99.9% of the time, she's right. Because uh, the you know, computer's going to take you all the way down here when you can just go straight. You know, you've probably seen it before. But let me tell you something. God knows more than you do. The Holy Spirit knows more than you do. And he's trying to guide us in the truth. And let me tell you what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to destroy your life. He's trying to wreck your family. He's trying to take your children. He's trying to, he's, he's trying to, to wreck your, 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 your individual life. He wants nothing more than to see this church split and shut its doors. I promise you, exactly what the devil wants. He is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And he is good at his job. And he's trying to pull us. You need to fulfill your flesh. You need to be jealous. You need to be bitter. I'm working on a, I'm working on a sermon right now. 
probably going to end up being a series of sermons on overcoming. You know what we have a hard time overcoming? My first sermon is going to be on bitterness. Overcoming bitterness. Somebody does something, and man, we just can't let it go. Somebody says something, and we just can't let it go. We become bitter. You know what bitter? You know what bitterness is? It's like a cancer. It just eats us and eats us and eats us, and then it spreads and it spreads, and it don't just affect you. That's a lie from the devil, by the way. It affects other people around us. And boy, pretty soon it's gotten out of hand. And why? Because we just can't get by. You know what we need to do? Forgive and move on. You know what we need to do? We need to decide. We need to choose this day. I'm going to serve the Lord. And if I'm going to serve the Lord, then I've got to crucify the flesh. If I'm going to serve the Lord, I've got to say no to the world. If I'm going to serve the Lord, then I've got to make some hard decisions in my life. Stop straddling the fence. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed this morning. Our eyes are closed. Are you a child of God? Have you been saved? Do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Is He your God? Because that's what it means to be saved, is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God, and I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me?